What a great song to go along with what God's going to say to us today through His Word and through uh, His message uh, this morning. Continuing along the lines of our uh, theme for July, uh, Vital Doctrines of Victorious Living. Last week and then this week we'll look at one more and uh, next week we'll uh, wrap it up last Sunday uh, in July. Abundant energy. Abundant energy. And I want us to think about the Holy Spirit today. And I know that's confusing to, to lots of folks and uh, maybe even to a lot of Christians today. But let's uh, hopefully when we're done today that we can see uh, what Jesus said about the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Well, let me begin this way. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this, and I quote, Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without the wind, branches without sap, and coals without fire. We are useless. I read that this week, and I began to, to ponder that quote and how important and how powerful that quote was when I read that. And I came up with this question, and I asked us today, I asked myself this, so I'll share it with you today. What could potentially happen if we, the body of Christ, now let me explain what the body of Christ is. The body of Christ are those of us who have, have been born again, those of us who have experienced salvation, those of us who are in the family of God. So what could potentially happen if we, the body of Christ, depended on our own strength, depended on our own knowledge? Did you get that emphasis on our own strength, our own Knowledge. Here's what I believe could potentially take place. We could experience an energy crisis. So with that question, church, we've got to realize this, that God is present with His people as an unlimited and unfailing supply of power. Do we believe that today? unlimited and unfailing supply of power. Do you remember what happened when the disciples heard about Jesus' impending death? Jesus predicted that he was going to die. Do you remember what happened? They went into panic mode. What do we do now? The, the one we've been with for three years of his public ministry, what do we do now? He's, he says that he is going to die. Don't you think that they thought that Christianity was all done, that it was all washed up to be done with no more? But we all know that Jesus had other plans, did he not? What did he do? He reassured his disciples of a continuous supply of energy. You know what that word continuous means, don't you? That means on and on and on. That power that comes from the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of John, if you would turn there with me for our reading this morning. John, chapter number 14, 
And remember, this is after that great chapter, uh, chapter 15, actually 14. This is after Jesus tells his disciples, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in me, believe also. Believe in God, believe also in me. And it, this is happening right after that. And go to verse 15. And Jesus speaking here, he says this. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself or make yourself known to us and, and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. We get verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And then Jesus says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Now, as we look at this message that you have for us this morning, I pray that it will penetrate our hearts. Lord, that we would be open and receptive to whatever it is you would have us learn this morning. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. The wonderful promises that Jesus gives to us concerning the Holy Spirit. On your handout, I give you four different uh, Roman numerals there. We'll go right down the list there and see if we can fill in some blanks and learn some things together this morning. First, the Holy Spirit is a personal presence. Psalm 46 1 says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help. Now, church, understand this. This is a spiritual presence and not a physical presence. Jesus' personal presence meant a whole lot to his disciples. We talked about in this, this in Sunday school. Think about how we feel when we are with our best friend or a group of people that we really love and that we really care about. Don't we feel comfortable? Don't we feel at peace? I know I do, and I'm sure you do as well. Well, see, the disciples felt the very same way, but they also knew the feeling when Jesus was not physically present 
with them. And let's just take one of those disciples for an example this morning. And let's look at Peter. When Peter was in the presence of Jesus, Peter said some things such as this. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then sadly, go back to that Thursday before the crucifixion. Remember that very night when, when, uh, when Peter was in the presence of this little girl and they were standing by the fire and Jesus was awaiting his crucifixion and I'm sure Peter was frightened and he was afraid. And what does he do? He denies his Savior three times. So you say, what happened? What made the difference? Standing by the fire... Peter was no longer in the physical presence of Jesus. Jesus promised a continuous personal presence. He, he promised a continuous personal presence. Back in verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, get this, that he may abide with you for just a few minutes, for an hour or so, forever, forever. The word another comes from the Greek word that means one of the same kind. Meaning that the Holy Spirit would be present with them in the same way that Jesus was present with them. Not physically, but spiritually. Comforter. What does that word comforter mean? Someone called alongside to help you. I am so glad that that word's in the Bible that the Holy Spirit will be our comforter, meaning that he will be with us all throughout life, all throughout life. Let me tell you something else about the Holy Spirit, this personal presence. This continuous personal presence is conditional. Now get this. We don't like those sometimes. On condition. Let me take you back to verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So there's some conditions of having that continual presence of the Holy Spirit, that we love God, that we obey God. Let me say this also, church, that the Holy Spirit can revolutionize all churches. Do you believe that? The Holy Spirit can revolutionize all churches. See, because we need to understand here, and, and I think we probably all do here this morning, but let's be reminded of this, that the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force not some impersonal energy. The Holy Spirit is a person, the person of the Holy Spirit. And how many times have you heard, I know I have, called the Holy Spirit referred to as it. Dispel that. Don't ever say the Holy Spirit is it. It is a person, the person of the Holy Spirit who abides in the life of all believers, hopefully all of us who are seated here in this sanctuary today. 
the Holy Spirit, Roman numeral 2, we see as a helpful teacher. A helpful teacher. Don't you think the teaching ministry of Jesus meant a whole lot to his disciples? What do you think? I'm talking about the, the, the creator of the universe in, in the form of a human is, is walking step by step with these men. Think about the hillsides of Galilee and <clears throat> in Judea. And remember, this is where many a life lesson was taught by Jesus about the kingdom of God. And no greater man ever lived and walked the face of this earth than Jesus. And wonder what was going through the disciples' mind. I want to think that they were thinking, how in the world, Jesus, if you leave us, are we going to carry out your plan? You, you're not going to be here with us any longer, but what has he just promised them? A comforter. He said, I won't leave you as orphans. How in the world are, are future followers going to learn? And we know what Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They weren't even recognizing the command that, that Jesus was giving to them. It's going to be by you. You're going to spread the word. Acts 4.33, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. A continuous and helpful teacher. Verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. We see that Jesus taught his disciples many things. They heard many great truths. But don't you think there were probably, just like you and I, some things that these disciples did not understand, that they were confused on? So therefore, picture this, as, as Jesus ascends back into heaven to the Father, and Scripture says that he's seated at the right hand of, of the Father right now, even as we speak. What does the Holy Spirit do? When Jesus leaves, what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit picks up right where Jesus left off, being that continuous and helpful teacher that Jesus was. Now these people were going to teach about the cross and what the gospel, the good news, was all about. The Holy Spirit can re revolutionize all churches, can revolutionize all churches. The Holy Spirit, Roman numeral three, as an authoritative guide. We got lots of guides in our world, don't we? We got some guides that are leading, leading us down the wrong roads. And we got people who are trying to teach wrong doctrines and philosophies and theologies and all of that. But Jesus served as an authoritative guide to his disciples. And that Holy Spirit was going to pick up right where he left off. We may be thinking, how, how was that? Remember Jesus handpicked 12 people, 12 men to walk alongside him for his public ministry. Three, a little over three years. 
And he told them exactly what to do. He told them where to go. What is he telling us today? Is he telling you what to do? Is he telling you where to go? He was their life guide. He was their life coach. He was their biggest cheerleader, if you will. Jesus promised an authoritative guide for life's moral decisions. <clears throat> he was promising them this. Look, the Holy Spirit will live in your hearts. The Holy Spirit will live in your lives just like he lives in your life, church, church, and in my life if we are believers today. And he will lead us and be with us in every circumstance of life. Can we agree this morning that the Holy Spirit can revolutionize all churches? You see, church, we can only be led in the right direction individually and as Midway EPC, only when we depend on God's leadership, on His strength, on His knowledge. And in Roman numeral 4, the Holy Spirit is a dynamic resource. Dynamic resource. No doubt, no doubt in my mind that Jesus was a wonderful resource for the disciples. He was the resource. The Holy Spirit is our resource. Jesus worked alongside the disciples for a little over three years and helped them and, and encouraged them. Do you think they might have gotten discouraged at times, even with Jesus there? Absolutely. When they were in need of wisdom and strength, Jesus was there. When we're in need of wisdom and strength, the Holy Spirit of God is there living within us, giving us the right answer, helping us with whatever task that it may be. And Jesus promised a continued resource, not only while he was on earth, but even after he left earth. That word comforter has lots of meaning. Let me give you some examples. For example, someone who helps with a legal battle, an encourager of soldiers engaged in warfare, or one who gives expert advice, all of those which apply to the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, the disciples thought there would be a major energy shortage when Jesus died. But what does Jesus do? He, he reassures them of greater power and greater works. So after the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus, the Holy Spirit came to take up residency. That means moved into their life, moved into their hearts, in their lives, and has moved into your heart, into my heart, as we have received Christ Jesus. So God is always with us in the presence of the Holy Spirit, teaching, guiding, helping. Speaking <clears throat> to a large audience, D.L. Moody, you may know that name, great evangelist, held up a glass and he asked, how can I get the air out of this glass? Someone stood up in the back. One man stood up and shouted, 
suck it out with a pump. Moody replied, that would create a vacuum and shatter the glass. After numerous other folks stood up and gave their suggestions or their opinions, Moody smiled, picked up a pitcher of water, picked up a pitcher of water and filled the glass. And he said to the crowd, there it is, all the air is now removed. What does that tell us today, church? What does that explain to us about victory in the Christian life? It is not accomplished by sucking some sin out of our life here and there. But victory in the Christian life comes only by being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for showing us and reminding us that when we accept Christ Jesus as Lord, as Savior of our life, that we are filled with the power that is unlimited. Lord, how could we not want that? How could we not want your power? Lord, show us and remind us also that the very same power that filled your disciples is the very same power that we possess if we're believers today. Lord, my prayer is that each one here this day is filled with the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I know that sometimes we, we let sin enter our life and we let it peck away at our heart and it sucks us from some of that power, and we have to continuously, daily, fill ourselves up with your Spirit. But God, you're always there. It's never-ending. It's unfailing. Lord, we'll never thirst again if we're filled with your Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for this message today. Thank you for D.L. Moody, who stood in that who stood there before that audience and demonstrated so simply what it means to, to have victory in the Christian life. And it's only by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for D.L. Moody. Now, Lord, if there be any here today without Jesus that's not filled with the Spirit, I pray that he or she may come to know Christ Jesus today. We pray in your name. Amen. Number 298, let's stand as we sing.